Hey everyone, and welcome to At The Letters for August the 16th, 2023. First time that we are talking uh, about these Blue Jays in a couple of weeks here after a little uh, week off in the first week of August, but it was no chance for the Blue Jays to rest. They kept playing. They're 67 and 54. Two games ahead of the Mariners in the wildcard standings, two games behind the Houston Astros. So uh, we will break down where they're at and uh, what this season looks like for them. Some of the opportunities ahead, some of the missed opportunities. And so we will get to, to all of that in the course of today's episode. But uh, Arden, you've been grinding. You've been uh, covering this team off, traveling with them. How's it been going? Good. Yeah, it's uh, these are the dog days, aren't they? Last two weeks of, uh, of August. Those are the doggiest days. They definitely are. It's been one of those stretches where, you know, the Jays have a lot of guys injured. They have some guys coming back, and um, we will touch on that as well. But let's start big picture here. I mean, they're 67 and 54, as I said. They're playing solid baseball. To me, at the same time, it kind of feels like this season, basically at every turn, the Blue Jays have sort of been underwhelming like just a little bit underwhelming in almost every possible way like on the field the trade deadline it was like oh maybe they could use one more bat it just sort of feels like they're falling slightly short of where they could be and yet you know they're in a playoff position so what do you make of this team sort of zooming out a little bit well they've got the best pitching staff in MLB they defend really soundly and offensively they haven't hit for as much power as you would have expected given the track records of these players like that's just kind of where i think it's at but yeah you gave their record sounds like a good team to me they're in postseason position that's where you want to be like i think that ultimately like any disappointment or underwhelming feeling probably comes down to expectations entering the season right yeah i was thinking about expectations a bit this morning and i think like to some extent you know, people like you and I perpetuate those or even create those with our, you know, roundtables and discussions and podcasts. I think at the same time, the expectation internally uh, for coaches, for players, for front office was definitely to compete for an AL East title and to compete for a World Series this year. So, you know, to that extent, it's not a fabrication on our part. Those expectations were were very real. And I think it's still possible. Like even as we've watched a team that's pretty disappointing in a lot of ways and has missed countless opportunities to win more games, I know this will fly in the face of, you know, you know, for some people listening, they'll kind of raise their eyebrows at this, but I still think that goal of reaching the World Series is possible. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if this team goes on a run and wins some playoff series. Um, it's just going to be harder because the AL East division title, and we'll know more about this next week after they face the Orioles, but the AL East looks pretty remote right now. Are you familiar with the name Brad Stolberg at all? No. So he's uh, he's an author. Um, he co-wrote Peak Performance with Steve Magnus. One of like the his main things, I love how simple it is. He's got an equation for happiness, and it's basically happiness equals reality minus expectations. So if expectations are higher than reality, well, you're probably going to be in a deficit in terms of happiness. But if reality exceeds expectations, well, then all of a sudden, 
you're in a surplus with with happiness and i think that's kind of the blue jays season is that as you said internally and externally like expectations were just higher than in the third wild card spot with two weeks to go in august and fighting for wild card position and not even looking that realistic right now that you could host a wild card series so we'll see what happens i think expectations were that the blue jays right now would be like trying to build on their lead in the american league east but there's also ancillary expectations of the Blue Jays came in expecting to contend for a World Series. Fans expected them to contend for a World Series. They're still in position to do that. We'll see what happens. But if they, as you said, get into the postseason and get hot at the right time and go on a run and win a wildcard series and win a DS and go to a CS, no one's going to remember the grind and the slog that it was to get there and all of the one for 15 with runners in scoring position days and you know all the times that they just like could not scratch across a run or they blew a game or whatever it may be like all that will just get washed out with history and it'll be like 2016 where nobody remembers like what a grind that season was people just remember like throttling the texas rangers after winning a wild card series against the baltimore orioles and then being in a championship series all of a sudden contending with cleveland for a berth in the world series yeah 2016 is is the comp i think because there's no way at this point well i shouldn't say there's no way it, it is pretty unlikely at this point that they're going to recapture or recreate the magic of 2015. I mean, that's that's going to be tough. They would basically have to win the division to do that. And at some point, I mean, this team is built to win divisions at some point, right? Like eventually, you know, you don't want to just be in the wild card round. You want to actually get yourself a division title or two, get yourself a first round buy or two, more importantly. So that looks unlikely at this point. And to your point about that happiness equation, I think it makes sense. And like, that kind of fits with a reaction that I had earlier this month when the Jays were in Boston and Davis Schneider comes up and starts hitting homers and starts getting hits every time up. And I thought, as I was following that series, this is so weird because I think this is the highlight of the Blue Jays season. I think Davis <laughs> Schneider, and honestly, I still think that, like Davis Schneider coming up and hitting whatever what you were there, two homers, nine hits, something like that. And he gets one in the air to left. And back at the wall is Duran, and it's gone! Davis Schneider homers in his first big league at bats. I'm like, this is it. This is the high point of the Jays' season. And at the same time, I'm like, isn't that kind of sad that this team that has all of these incredible players like Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios, Bo Bichette, it's this 28th rounder coming up. But then that kind of that fits with with what you were bringing up where it's like expectation 28th rounder doesn't even see the major leagues as a coach. He doesn't see the majors as a guest instructor, let alone as a guy hitting bombs at Fenway Park. And then there he is contributing. So I think you know, this is a season that's really lacked a lot of those special moments. But I do think David Schneider, for a weekend at least, provided a couple of those. <laughs> well, it is the kind of story that you more often get on like a non-contending team at this time of year. Or it's after the trade deadline. You've traded away like anything that wasn't nailed down. And you're just playing out the string towards the end of the season. You're going to miss the playoffs. And you bring up some more guy. And he has some success and it becomes the story around the team. Like you see that much more often on like a Kansas City Royals or a uh, Oakland Athletics. 
not so much on a team that's like in postseason position <laughs> thinking that it can still go on a run and win a world series you don't often get that story but yeah expectations versus reality right when you know nobody expected going into the year that david schneider was going to be a toronto blue jay and when david schneider was called up to the big leagues faced the highest level of pitching that he's ever faced in his entire life i don't think anyone expected him to homer once let alone twice let alone have nine hits in the series and like set all these records like david schneider didn't expect this man like he almost quit the game two years ago right like he'll tell you straight up like i didn't believe that i was gonna see this day like my dad believed in me more than i believed in me like i really didn't ever think that i was going to be at fenway park like hitting balls over the green monster like two years ago straight up david schneider was getting ready to quit you know he was at high a and he was a hit in 100 and he's playing like once a week and like he was telling guys like hey i'm i'm done like i'm gonna retire i'm gonna go be a you know whatever real estate agent or something like i'm gonna go do something else and it was actually a former jays prospect dom uh abadessa who he was released um in the pandemic season or right after it but kind of similar guy to david schneider like super late round pick and didn't get a ton of opportunities and it really wasn't working out for him and he was released and schneider texted abadessa and was like hey man like i'm gonna quit and abadessa was like dude i would do anything just to be in your position right now Hmm. hitting 100 playing once a week at low a do not quit you have to like exercise every opportunity that you have, no matter how remote the possibility of you ever reaching MLB appears. And so it was like conversations like that that helped David Schneider get through some of the really lean times in his career. And now here he is a big leaguer. Yeah. And he's been one of the fun developments for this team. And I think they've probably been short on those this season, you know, like they've had, especially. You know, they've dealt with some injuries lately. You think about their big star players, guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., George Springer, Alejandro Kirk. They've underperformed offensively. And, you know, I know they've, especially Springer, he's had some big moments recently. And finally a drive to deep left field. And it's gone! What an at-bat for George Springer! We'll see what what's ahead here. But generally speaking, these are players who have who have underperformed. And, you know, that's where you have a guy like you say, Kikuchi, again, to your point about expectations, expectations for him for him were probably pretty tempered coming into this season. Now he's dealing. He's got a 1.44 ERA in the course of his last four starts. He's absolutely feeling it out there on the mound. ERA for the season at like 3.4, something like that. He's been incredible. You say is kind of one of the fun parts of this team this year, but They've been few and far between. Like it's, and, and again, this this season is far from over. It could end in in way worse disappointment than what we've seen so far. Like it could go way downhill. Or like we were saying before, they could actually win the World Series, and it's a totally different story. But in the meantime, those really positive stories, like a Yusei, like a Davis Schneider, those ones are are kind of the bright spots that that haven't necessarily been super plentiful so far. It's funny seeing them play the Phillies right now because the Phillies are like the Blue Jays' distant cousins from the NL, right? Like two teams that entered the season with really high expectations that they struggled to meet. Um, two teams that entered the series in wildcard position. I mean, they still are in wildcard position. They had nearly identical records to begin the series. Obviously, the Blue Jays took the first game. We haven't seen the second game yet. 
Um, two teams that have been like running six man rotations recently. They both have like top 10 bullpens by like strikeout minus walk and, you know, ERA and wins above replacement. Two teams that are each fifth in their league in team OPS. So Blue Jays fifth in the AL, the Phillies fifth in the NL, but 13th in their league in OPS with runners in scoring position. So they both have like this similarly bizarre, insane, unexplainable, you know, inability to convert their production over to when like in the moments that matter most. And then also two teams that, to your point, have both like withstood really underwhelming performances from previously established hitters. Right. You mentioned Guerrero, Springer, Kirk. That's Harper, Schwarber, Turner. Right. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Wade runs create plus of 115. Bryce Harper, 118. You would expect both those guys to be much higher. Yeah. Springer's at 102, Schwarber's at 103. You'd expect both those guys to be much higher. Kirk's at 95, Trey Turner's at 88. You would expect both those guys to be much higher. So it is kind of funny, these like two teams that are so similar having this uh, little two-game series at Rogers Center right now. Yeah, no, it is for sure. And you know, both of those teams, and the Phillies obviously a reminder based on last year of what can happen if you have a bit of a run in October when, when you get hot at the right time. I think too, like the Phillies are comparable to the Blue Jays in the sense that if you were looking at the Phillies from afar and you're looking at Trey Turner, it's not like you're not scared of him anymore. You know, it's not like, it's not like you're just not scared of Kyle Schwarber anymore or Bryce Harper. Like these guys are legit and opposing teams, of course, are still wary of guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr. Regardless of what, his numbers say because again and we've talked about this you know for months now but his underlying numbers if you look at the expected woba if you look at the hard hit the barrel all those things suggest better things are ahead for Vlad Guerrero Jr. and so it's kind of hard to make sense of and that's where you know when I look at the next six weeks you know first and foremost you just got to get in and it would have been great entering the season like there's a big difference between getting in as a wild card and getting in as a division winner. I think the division is is looking pretty unlikely. So it's just about holding off the Mariners right now. And that is going to be a six-week slog because the Mariners are not a bad baseball team and anything can happen in a six-week period. So, you know, I think that this next month and a half is going to be really interesting because there really are no guarantees for the Blue Jays with 42 games remaining. Yeah, just get in. Like the MLB postseason is just a fun little tournament at the end of the year where anything can happen. The Phillies showed you that last year. Yeah, I mean, the Phillies, you look at how much they rode guys like Wheeler and Nola and like, you know, Dominguez out of their bullpen. And um, like they, you know, they really like concentrated their innings down to like five guys who were pitching well at the time. And then they got some really big swings from Schwarber and like Bryce Harper was out of his mind towards the end of the year last year and into the postseason. So uh, playing with like a busted up elbow, by the way. So like you just get in get hot, try to get everything clicking on the right cylinders, try to p- deploy guys optimally in, in the postseason and play the matchups and put people in positions to succeed. You really dive that much deeper into your preparation and, and into how you're going to attack the the opposition and roll the dice a few times and see if they come up your way. It's In any playoff game, Like the most, I believe, you can really push the odds in either way between the two teams is like 55-45, honestly. Sure. 
on the extreme end, like the absolute most, I don't think that you're ever going to see a 56-44 because all the teams are good. All the bad pitchers are gone. All the bad rotations are gone. All the bad lineups are gone. Everybody's got good hitters. Everybody's got really good pitching. So I really do think that in any given postseason game, the most you could favor one team or another is by 55%. And that means that the team that you're not favoring still has a 45% chance of winning, which is a really big chance. Yep, it is. And that's why playoffs are pretty unpredictable um and that's why you have to take advantage of every chance that you get to to get into that tournament and for the jays once we get through you know the end of this regular season then you know if they're in a playoff position great they can take advantage of that and we can see what happens but time is ticking for this core right danny jansen one year away from free agency vladimbo just two years after this like it's kind of sneaking up where it's like you know, and two years is a long time. You can do a lot of things in, in two plus seasons here. But um, this is their time, right? Like this is their time right now. You got Prime Gosman, you got Kikuchi pitching like an ace. Not necessarily sure that's going to happen every single season. Take advantage of these uh, strong performances when you can. And so we'll see if the Jays are able to do that. Yeah, they're built to win right now. That's those expectations uh, going into the season were there for a reason. Because the Blue Jays built a team that they believe is going to win and might still win. Just get into the postseason, man. See what happens. That's right. All right. Well, we will come back. We'll talk in a little bit more granular detail about some of the players on this team and some of the questions that they are facing. So stick with us here on At The Letters. Listen to At The Letters ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. was instituted in 1996. It's an award bestowed by the club, recognizing tremendous individual achievement. The names of the honorees are displayed around the fascia of this ballpark, and today we're really excited to all be here to add none other than Jose Batista to this distinguished group. Once again, I want to thank everybody up here, uh, those that couldn't be here as well, and I want to thank the Blue Jays fans the city of Toronto, and the whole country. It was an honor to play for you. I want to thank the, the teams playing today. Um, thank you for your time. I know there's uh, important baseball to be played, and I don't want to delay it any further. So let's play ball. Welcome back to At The Letters. And let's uh, take a step away from the 23 edition of the team to uh, take a look at kind of the big picture of this franchise and specifically the level of excellence. On the weekend, we saw Jose Bautista take his rightful place on the Blue Jays' level of excellence. Really cool ceremony. Really cool to see so many former Blue Jays teammates and managers and coaches all there to celebrate uh, the much-deserving inclusion of Jose Bautista onto the Blue Jays' level of excellence. But, you know, Arden, let's... Take a look at who could be next here. I think it's a pretty interesting discussion. And also, like, there is kind of a definitional question here of, like, what is the level of excellence? It's not, like, something that every single team has. You know, you have some teams that have a team hall of fame. Some teams retire numbers. The Blue Jays do the level of excellence, which is kind of somewhere in between there. And they've established a pretty high standard of what it means to be on the level of excellence with guys like Jimmy Key or Jesse Barfield or Pat Henkin not on there. Vernon Wells not on there. So who would you include next if uh, it was up to you as far as who goes up there? 
All of the above, like every name that you just cited. I don't like, I'm not a big gatekeeper exclusionary guy. Like I think that these things are about celebrating your history and about, yeah, just recognizing just kind of contributions to your franchise. So my, my standard for entry to the level of excellence, I think would be a lot lower than uh, the majority of people. Okay. Tom Hankey, Dwayne Ward, are they, are they in for you? Ryan Goins, Wilmer <laughs> Font. Goins. Um, but you say in after, after yesterday. I mean, that was that's that alone yeah. should probably put him up there. Um, ben Nicholson Smith. Well, no. Um, yeah. Although, you know, speaking of media members, or at least current <laughs> current <laughs> media members. Although, yeah, that's a good point. I should be up there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not me, but our Sportsnet colleague, former big league player, former big league manager, Buck Martinez. You know, that is a very, very deserving case when you think about, you know, what he has meant to the Blue Jays over the course of decades, basically over the course of the vast majority of their existence. Buck Martinez has been impacting this franchise one way or the other. So I think there's a very strong case for him. I think Jerry Howarth as well. Um, you know, Tom Cheek is up there and and along with the number 4306, Jerry Howarth. You know, there's a there's a case to be made there. So, you know, there there actually is, when you think about the history of this Blue Jays franchise almost 50 years in, like there are a lot of candidates who aren't up there who have a case to be up on that level. Yeah, I concur. Do a ceremony every year. Do one every month, do one every week. <laughs> every week. <laughs> Why not? Who, what's, what's, who cares? This thing's completely constructed, right? Like there's not some historical standard or criteria that you're measuring this against. It's completely subjective and arbitrary who goes up and who doesn't. So right. what's to stop anyone from going up there? <laughs> I mean, they would run out of space at a certain point. Build a bigger ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just concrete at the end of the day. Who cares? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm partly with you, like to an extent. I think that you know, you don't want to be too gatekeepy when it comes to celebrating the history of your franchise. Like it's meant to be celebrated and remembered. I don't think you want to say, you know, Edwin Encarnacion just doesn't doesn't reach the threshold. I mean, the guy was a power hitter, middle of the order, hit a big playoff home run. What more do you want? At the same time, like I would draw a line. I would say, you know, Russell Martin, no, he's not going up there. To me, that's like he doesn't deserve to go up there. Not that he wasn't a great Blue Jay. Ryan Goins, I know you're kidding there. No shot, Ryan Goins. Even like Henke and Ward, I don't know, man. Like that to me is like not quite there. Roger Clemens, two great seasons, not going up there. Like I, I would draw the line for some of these players. Yeah, I mean, Russell Martin, he would be in my catcher wing of the uh, the level of excellence along with uh, Darren Fletcher and <laughs> Pat Borders. I mean, you know, I'd throw, yeah, Buck would be, he'd be in my catcher wing and my media wing and my managerial wing as well. Uh, I would really have multiple levels of excellence <laughs> all over the place. Like, I just can't be with these people who are like, oh, you're ruining the, you know, the sanctity of the get over yourself, right? Like the Hall of Fame people who are like, that guy's not a Hall of Fame or is it the Hall of Fame or the Hall of the very good? The whole thing's made up. The whole thing is imaginary and fake. Like it's just like a bronze plaque in a building in Cooperstown, New York. It's not as meaningful as you're making it seem to be. Can we please find like real things to be upset about? Can we please just 
stop taking ourselves so seriously <laughs> and in turn just be more serious about other things. And okay, but I honestly don't know like it, how much you're seriously meaning that and how much you're saying this tongue in cheek, but I'm like at a certain point like you literally would run they're not going to build a new stadium. Like that's just not on the table. You're not going to have two <laughs> levels of excellence. So at a certain point you have to draw the line somewhere. Well, I just I'm going to need room in my catcher wing for Jose Molina. I'm going to need <laughs> room for Rod Brahas. Uh also I'll 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 draw the cutoff in my catcher wing at say uh John Buck. I would say John Buck would be like the last guy that I would let in. So he's he had like that 20 homer year. He was an all-star with the Blue Jays. Yeah, he was an all-star as a catcher, hit like 20 homers that year. That's not easy to do. Long drive to center field. He's done it again. The hat trick for John Buck. It's like give the guys flowers. Like he had a really good year for the Blue Jays. So let's celebrate that. Let's bring all of his former teammates out onto the field. Let's put the big, I don't even know what his number was. Let's say it was 20, a big 20 out there in center field. Let's have John Buck Day at the Rogers Center. We're going to sell a lot of tickets. We're going to sell a lot of bobbleheads. We'll bring all of his old his old high school no coaches out. Go. No one would care. <laughs> I'd go. I have to. Oh he'd give uh, he'd give a great speech. It'd be wonderful. I think we got to take a break. I'm losing my composure here. This is um, sorry. You wanted to have a very serious conversation about the level of excellence. Oh what are, like goodness. what are your? I don't know, man. It's stuff like this. Like I just can't. Like I just can't care. I can't be yeah. bothered to care about stuff like this, man. Yeah. Like, who? There's nobody you could put up there that I would be truly offended by. I'd be like, yeah, because like the standard already, as you said, is very high, right? Yeah. So if they were like, hey, we're going to let a Jimmy Key up here, or we're gonna, you know, put a Vernon Wells up here, I'd be like, yeah, cool, yeah, fine. I don't like. Are you are you really gonna be offended by that? Yeah. A, are you really gonna be upset about that? Be serious. Yeah. What do you care, right? So let it, the guy have his day. Let them have their ceremony. Put Vernon and, and Jimmy Key and what well, you said, Hanky, I think, yeah. right? Like put some of these other guys up there. Put Buck up there. Like, great. Like, let's honor people. Also, like, let's honor people when they're still around. That's a great thing yes, about yes. Jose being honored was that, like, he's still relatively youthful. And like, I'm sure he believes he could have, like, DH'd on Saturday and gotten a couple of hits. A lot of like, fans believe that, good. too. Right. So it's good to see him like at this stage having that moment rather than, you know, having to do it like posthumously for certain guys or, you know, at a time when that individual's heyday was so far in the past that the majority of current fans can't even really relate to it or remember it. So I think that doing it sooner would be nice. So. Um, you know, if if we're putting Buck up there, like let's do it soon. Yeah. Let's do it while he's still working, right? Like yeah. let's do it tomorrow. You know, like that's that's I'm, I'd be fine with that. Like I said, put anyone up there. I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. And now, are you encountering people who are like mad that they're putting certain guys up there? Because like I'm not encountering that sentiment. I think that I don't think that no. people are out there saying like, oh, they shouldn't have put Jose Bautista up there. Um, I think that by and large, the sentiment is, yeah, like this is cool. Let's honor some. Let's honor some players. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, maybe someday you'll get your way. But that would have been a really boring podcast segment if it was 10 <laughs> seconds long and we came in and said, this is cool. Let's honor some guys. All right. Coming up next on At The Letters. <laughs> who's, who's next? Who would be your next guy? Would you go Would you go Buck? Uh, I think Buck deserves to be up there. I think that Vernon deserves to be up there. Uh, Key, certainly. Um, like, it's just, I don't know, who's available next weekend? 
Like who's got an opening <laughs> do in their schedule? Weekend. That would that would be my next guy. Is like who's who's available? Well, they're on the road. How quickly? Oh, they're on the road. Yeah. Well, all right. They're two back. weekends from yeah, now. Yeah, two weekends from now. Who doesn't have you know a tea time <laughs> that weekend? Let's bring them in. Well, um, if the Blue Jays are listening to this, try to get John Buck's former teammates around. <laughs> try to collect some great anecdotes for the video board. Arden has volunteered to host. Um, he will take the role of uh, host for that ceremony. And yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's all in. So uh, you heard it here first. John Buck headed to the level of excellence. And we will discuss perhaps some more pressing questions uh, when we come back here on At The Letters. Welcome back to At The Letters here on sportsnet.ca and wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks to our producers, Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade for being with us today. And, uh, we started this podcast kind of in big picture fashion here as we uh, take stock of the Jays and um, get ready for Genesis Cabrera and Thomas Hatch's induction to the level of excellence. Now let's turn our focus to some more uh, granular topics here. And and the Jays do have some players who are uh, coming back from injury. So we saw the first of those, Jordan Romano, come back on Tuesday. He looked great, throwing 100. And to me, Arden, this is... You know, one of the obviously Bobachet is the biggest, but getting their closer back is huge. Just having Jordan Hicks back in a setup role, he looked awesome. I thought that that was his best outing as a Toronto Blue Jay. It kind of sets the Blue Jays' bullpen up to look the way they wanted it to for the first time since the trade deadline. I think I would set the bar in my relief pitcher wing at like Jason Fraser. So yeah. I don't think that Hatch is quite there yet. Genesis, very, very promising start. But you really do have to pass the Jason Fraser bar for inclusion into my relief pitcher wing of uh, level of excellence at uh, the new uh, multi-million acre Rogers Center that we're going to need for me to put all these names up. I like how you say Thomas Hatch isn't there yet, as though he still has a chance. I'm telling you right now, (laughs) Thomas Hatch, never, never going to be on the level of excellence. Uh, He is a Pittsburgh Pirate now, is he not? That's right. So... I mean, if if they kept them around, maybe. Uh, if, if he had the opportunity, he could have gotten there. Uh, so what was your question? Guys are getting healthy. That's good. That helps. Jordan Romano definitely looked good. 99 slider command was good. It's, a, it's incredible when you give a guy like two weeks off in the middle of the season. All of a sudden, he comes back looking a lot better, right? So obviously, he wanted to get that back issue um, squared away. And Jordan Romano was able to do that. But I think more importantly, like just kind of rest the arm a little bit, refocus on strength and conditioning, deload, recover. Um, and all of a sudden you're going to come back. The velo is going to look a lot better than it did when you were pitching on four out of five days. Yeah, exactly right. And I think this is where, you know, in talking to Romano yesterday, he said really the last half of July between the All-Star game where he left early and the point that he had to come out of the game, for the Blue Jays and, and eventually went on the injured list. He said it was just hit and miss. Like he wasn't sure what to expect on any given day. So that rest was essential. And that's the the give and take, the balancing act that teams have to walk as they're trying to contend because you got to win the games in front of you. But at the same time, the ultimate goal is not to win on August the 15th or August the 25th. 
it's to win in October. But the more good relievers you have available to you, and Trevor Richards is coming back, and Chad Green is coming back as well, then the easier it probably is to give guys like Meza and Swanson and Jimmy Garcia just a little bit more rest. And ideally for the Blue Jays, that allows those relievers to have their stuff tick up a little bit. Yeah, and this is your last opportunity to do it, really, the last couple of weeks of August, maybe early in September here, because when you get into the thick of things in the middle of September and certainly towards the end, you're going to need Jordan Romano pitching back-to-backs, maybe sometimes even three days in a row, four out of five. We've seen the Blue Jays do that. You're going to need Jordan Hicks uh, going beyond just one inning. You're going to want him getting four or five outs. You're going to be want to be deploying Tim Meza on you know back-to-back days against tough lefties and picking spots where Trevor Richards really matches up well. Like You're going to need to lean on your most effective arms because you're really going to need those wins as we've been saying for what feels like millennia now it's going to come down to those final two weeks against the Yankees and Rays and how the Blue Jays perform in those final 12 games and you know what the Mariners are able to do down the stretch as well uh so that's when the Blue Jays are really going to need to lean on guys and then obviously in the postseason we've seen the circle of trust really constricts and you get down to who is on form right now who is mentally and physically prepared to go out and give me outs? You kind of get away from the well. What's best for the you know short and long term health of the arm here and for bouncing back? It's kind of hey, can you go today? I know you went like 25, 28 pitches yesterday. I need you to go again in the most intense atmosphere you're going to face as a baseball player at the end of a 162 game marathon. Because it's MLB's postseason and this is what it is. Yeah. And I think the Jays bullpen on paper, you know, especially this could be even even more of a strength in a week's time once Trevor Richards could be back within a few days. Chad Green wouldn't be a surprise to see him back within a week or 10 days. Um, probably needs a couple of stints at AAA, but maybe not a whole lot more than that. So at that point, you deepen things. You just ease the pressure. You know, I mentioned Yenesis Cabrera and Jess earlier, but seriously, he can help with um, some of that workload for a guy like Tim Meza. So it's a really deep bullpen. And, you know, I think the rotation too at this point, you mentioned off the top how they're you know, arguably the best pitching staff in baseball, but you got Ryu in the five spot. He's been pretty good, low key. I mean, it's not dominant. It's number five starter stuff. It's number two starter performance so far, but if he's a number five, that's a big win for this team. There was never a guarantee that Hyunjin Ryu was going to be able to come back and pitch like a number five starter. And I mean that as a compliment. Like, it's not easy to be a number five starter in Major League Baseball. And Alec Manoa's struggles should serve as a reminder of that. I mean, it is it is a lot easier said than done. But Ryu has been able to go out there and at least keep them in it. And then, you know, the front four kind of speaks for itself. But Ryu in particular has actually given this team more than I probably thought he ever was going to be able to this year. Six days ago, he looked really good. Change up, and he gets some swinging, one down. Got it. Good change up again by Ryu, his second strike out of the day. And he got it. Strikes him out for the second time. They are literally the best pitching staff in baseball. Statistically, the best pitching staff. They have the lowest ERA of any team in baseball. And even just like you want to 
just kind of look at things on paper from you know a more subjective manner um you know you mentioned alec manoa he's at triple a he was a cy young finalist last year obviously not pitching to that standard this year but still very much capable of getting outs in the big leagues and he's in your triple a rotation nate pearson's in your triple a bullpen yeah when he's in the majors he's pitching mop up like your mop up guy right now is like 99 to 100 with two effective breaking balls when he's able to locate them in the zone um you know jay jackson is a guy who might get squeezed out of this bullpen uh you know when chad green is is ready right when you're getting a trevor richards back um you know at least till september when you get that extra that extra roster spot and if he gets squeezed out i mean it's not going to be based on merit he's been tremendous he's been spectacular and he is every bit of a big league reliever just like we told you he was in spring training so the blue jays like pitching staff has top end talent and like pitchers who are capable of going seven shutty six shutty they've got like amazing swing and miss high velo arms in the bullpen and they have tremendous depth as well where as you mentioned hunjin ryu is your number five and alec manoa is your number six and you got arms like jay jackson's and nate pearson's that are like on the outside looking in for opportunities i think it's the best pitching staff in baseball it's kind of wild right like it's and it goes to show like Baseball fans are hard to please. And I'm not saying I'm not saying the Blue Jays fans should just sit there and be happy and, you know, take what you have and, and you know, just stop complaining. I'm not saying that at all. But like it does sort of remind us like it is hard to be sort of fully content as a baseball fan sometimes because, as you just pointed out, like they do have an elite pitching staff. And, you know, would you take like, I don't know, obviously the Rays have a good pitching staff. They've dealt with tons of injuries, so I'd put the Jays ahead of them. Houston has a really good pitching staff. Um, Atlanta can can really pitch. So there are teams out there that, you know, you might put on the same level as the Blue Jays or close to it. Cleveland obviously has some really good pitching, but the Jays are right up there. So it's, it is kind of funny. And I think if, if you're looking too up at, at what it might look like in October, not only do you have Gosman Brios at the very top, but I think you'd be okay with Bassett starting a playoff game. I think you'd be fine, maybe even more than fine, with Yusei Kikuchi starting a playoff game. So it's actually, you know, it's a staff that plays not only in the regular season, but potentially in the playoffs as well. If you took the all the pitchers on the Blue Jays' 40-man and you just like ordered like a depth chart, the very bottom of that depth chart would be like Hagen Danner and Zach Pop. Those would be probably the two guys towards the very bottom of it. And Zach Pop is a guy who hasn't had the success that he would have liked this year, but he still throws 97 with the turbo sinker that like generates an insane ground ball rate and has been working on his slider all year. And, you know, people in spring training were saying seriously, like, hey, we think he could be Clay Holmes if he makes some adjustments and, um, you know, kind of rounds into form. And then Hagen Danner, a guy who like throws super hard at the slider as well. And we'll see what he's going to be. You feel for him so much the way that he had to come out of his big league debut with an oblique injury like that's the worst thing like it's the last thing you want to see and it's got to be just the worst feeling in the world to finally get your big league opportunity and have to come out of it with injury after however many pitches but you know we'll, we'll see what he could be i promise you if you dfa'd either of those guys they would be snapped up in a heartbeat 
there is nobody on this 40-man roster as a pitcher who you would feel comfortable DFAing right now. They would all be taken by numerous teams. You wouldn't get very, very far through the waiver order. So that really tells you something about the pitching staff that's been built here. Yeah, it's been it's been really good. You know, from the pitching staff to the position player core, they have their biggest reinforcement of all coming back pretty soon in the form of Boba Shat. And right around the time that we're recording this on Wednesday early afternoon here, Boba Shat slated to play in Buffalo in a rehab game. Actually, I'm not sure if it's in Buffalo, but it's for Buffalo at AAA. If all goes well, he could be back with the team as soon as this weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. So that when you look at Boba Shat, what he can do, he's one of the biggest reinforcements this team could possibly get. And especially because Paul DeYoung has been incredibly underwhelming since being acquired. Yeah. I mean, Boba Shad is an impact player. He's a superstar. Uh, he hasn't played in two weeks and he still leads the American League in hits. Uh, you know, it's really a question of, I think, just how, you know, what percentage of Boba Shad are you able to get back? At this point, because even like a 70, 75, 80% Boba Shed is still very impactful on this lineup. Um, you know, he's going to want to try to figure out just what he's capable of doing in terms of deceleration, in terms of lateral movement, just how compromised really he's, he's going to be when he's being athletic in the field and moving dynamically and being explosive. Um, I think that's kind of the process that he's going through right now is just figuring out where he can get himself to and how much he can give the Blue Jays down the stretch. But incredibly important part of this lineup it looks a lot different when he's not up there you know in the two hole or even on on occasion leading off do you have a strong take as to where he should hit in the lineup i mean to me he's obviously he's going to be top three somewhere i don't really get too worked up over batting order stuff generally speaking but do you have a strong take one way or the other i really don't just hit him somewhere in the top three you'll be fine yeah okay so we're agreed on that then all right and then i guess before we go here Looking ahead to next week, after the Blue Jays play the Reds, they're they're playing the Baltimore Orioles. And to me, I look at that series and I kind of think that this might be one of their last best chances to really make a dent in those ALE standings and make a push. You know, not that you can ever expect a sweep or anything along those lines, but if they were to go out there and sweep the Orioles, then all of a sudden you really do close that gap and you do create an opportunity for yourself in the course of that final, at that point, it'd probably be about five weeks remaining in the regular season. So again, you can't assume that, but it is a really big series coming up against Baltimore. Yeah, sweep at Camden would be a tall ask. Um, you know, Baltimore has been the best team in the American League this year. So uh, yeah, I think, and, and they've played the Blue Jays extremely tough to this point. It looks like they actually like beating the Blue Jays quite a bit. Uh, there's some interesting vinegar between these two teams, which is always fun to see. So, uh, yeah, interested to see how that series goes. It'll be the, you know, it'll be the last time the Blue Jays are really testing themselves against a playoff team for quite some time. Because after they come back from Camden Yards, it's like Cleveland's coming to town and Washington, and then we go to Colorado and Oakland, and then you get Kansas City. Uh, you know, you're gonna see like kind of the dregs of, uh, you know, of baseball for a while there. Which, uh, hey, good news for the Blue Jays because they've played really well against sub 500 teams um, and and they've performed very well in those situations they need wins so that's a good stretch for them to have but yeah interesting series in Baltimore are coming definitely yeah exactly I mean it gives them at least a little bit of a window to push for the American League East I mean again as we said you got to get in that's the first step 
worst case. I mean, if you're the third wild card, you're playing the Twins. I'm not saying it's fun to go up against Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and Kenta Maeda, but like, you know what? It's not the Dodgers. It's not Atlanta. I mean, that's a beatable team. So that's a long way off, but um, certainly some opportunities there for the Blue Jays, as you said, with that weaker schedule. That is it for this week. We'll be back next week, of course, to discuss the latest with this team. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And thanks to our producers, Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade. We will talk to you soon on At The Letters.